Shopify Masters is powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. To get an extended 30-day trial, visit shopify.com slash masters. I wanted to give them a feeling of comfort that, hey, I'm not going to order something. It's not going to sell. I'm going to lose, you know, I'm going to lose out. Hey, my name is Felix. I'm the host of Shopify Masters. Each week, we learn the keys to success from e-commerce experts and entrepreneurs like you. In this episode, you'll learn why you should create your first prototype yourself, how to get retailers to trust selling your product for the first time, and the keys to a successful trade show. Today, I'm joined by John D. Paola from The Paintbrush Cover. The Paintbrush Cover keeps your brushes wet and ready to use in between coats and was also a contestant on Shark Tank. And the business was started in 2012 and based out of Jackson, New Jersey. Welcome, John. Oh, thank you, Felix. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, so yeah, tell us a bit more about the, the business and what is this paintbrush cover that, that gets popularized through your, your, your brand? Yeah, well, uh, you know, it's, it's very, very exciting uh, in the way because not only do we just have the paintbrush cover, but we continued on um, to, to make other products. But I'll start with the paintbrush cover nonetheless. And if you were to ever experience, I think everyone can relate to the fact that at some time you're painting and you have to put your brush down and, you know, all it takes is, uh, you know, a few minutes really for that brush to start drying, therefore making it less flexible. And in some cases at you know, longer period of time, that brush is going to be as hard as a rock. So they've, it was, it was a problem, you know, forever, but now they formulated the paints to dry quicker. So that saves you time in between coats. So you could get an email and, you know, you stop work, you put your brush down, you're answering an email or a text back and forth, you go back to that, the brush is done, and you could spend $10, $15, $25, $50 for a brush. You know, nobody wants to waste that type of money. Um, and but by the same token, you know, you could just want to take a lunch break. And, hey, you put it in my cover, you stand it up, you go to lunch, you come back, you paint um, you could put it in my cover and forget it there for eight weeks, come back, open it up in eight weeks, yeah. and it'll still be wet and ready to go. So uh, painters all over the world, which is exciting to me, are enjoying um, the use of my paintbrush cover and roller cover alike, and now my other products as well that we've started branding. So it's uh, been quite a trip and a, a heck of a lot of fun, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so obviously the, the use of it makes a ton of sense. But where did the idea come from? How did you guys come up with this idea for a product like this? Well, my, my cousin, uh, he works with me. I had a, a, a pretty uh, nice painting company. And I would hire a lot of the, the younger guys, and I would train them myself and whatnot. Uh, and that always was a problem was, all right, I'm constantly spending money on these expensive brushes. And, hey, guys, you know what? you got to take care of them. you got to wash them. You can't, you know. So uh, my cousin and, and I discussed the, the possibility, and this is years back. But you know how some things go. Like, you know, you talk, mm-hmm. but it's the, it's the action. It's not the idea. You know, to me, the idea is the easy part. So I was working down at the uh, World Trade Center. I was actually the site manager of the new World Trade Center. Uh, and I got finished. Our job was to set up the uh, fountains for the 10th year anniversary. And then after that, I was pretty much had a lot of free time on my hands. So my cousin got in touch with me. He's like, come on. He's like, you have free time now. Let's do it. I'm like, all right. As long as you travel to me, <laughs> um, I'll do it. So uh, he did. We got to work and we put pen to paper, so to speak. And, you know, started setting it up. So the, the idea was was sort of born, I'm going to say maybe in the 90s, late 90s. Uh, you know, it just took that amount of time and just took the, the right stars to align in, uh, in order to bring it to fruition. Mm, so this was an idea that, was, that you guys are going back and forth with for, for many years before actually going and creating the product. What, what, what needed to align for you to, to take action on this idea? You know, as anything else, you have, um, you know, you have life. And, you know, I have children at home and I have a family. I was also, you know, self-employed. I had my, my own business. Just, you know, life in general, there's always something to do and always something to catch up on. And there's always, you know, tomorrow. And mm-hmm. you can push things off and then, you know, you could talk about them. And I guess it just takes that niche moment where, like, there was a situation I was working on a very big project and, 
now I was able to take off from that and literally um, just sort of do whatever I wanted for um, a few months. And if I wanted to just, you know, take it easy, um, you know, that was my choice. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And then the suggestion once again came in from my cousin to um, go ahead with a project we've been talking about, you know, here and there for the past few years. So I was like, hey, yeah, that, that was it. So now all of a sudden the timing was right. I wasn't restricted um, with work. Uh, so I, I had a heck of a lot of free time. Mm-hmm. And he worked as a New York City firefighter. And, you know, their schedules are very, very flexible as well. So, you know, for him to have a, a couple of days off in a row, it's just not a, unheard of. They do 24-hour tours. So I, I guess it was the amount of the just we just came to the right amount of timing to make it work. Mm-hmm. So we were able to get together to lay the foundation. That was just to lay the foundation. You know, there was a lot more after that. But, you know, that's what did it, the availability of the time. Yeah, so let's talk about the foundation. Once you, once everything did align and you guys started taking action, what was involved? What, what were some early steps that that you knew you had to take? Well, it was um, it was definitely it was it was quite interesting because I before had LLCs and corporations and things of that nature, and I've been in business where um, my my cousin hadn't you know never really had an LLC or or a business of his own. He worked for the fire department, uh, so. I basically showed him the roadmap and, you know, together, you know, I got um, a lawyer that I was friendly with and uh, we set up the LLC. So as we were going, I was also able to not only set everything up with him, but just sort of show him the roadmap, so to speak. Then I went and I was like, listen, I have also, I have another friend who's an engineer. Uh, This isn't his specialty, but as a favor to me, he'll be able to draw us up, you know, pretty much exactly what we need to dimensions in a, in a CAD sort of format. And just, I was able to put the ducks in the row and together, you know, might've gave him an assignment here, you call this or you meet me here and then we're going to go see the attorney. Then we're going to go see the, um, the engineer and so on and so forth. And we just took the steps. We even took some classes too, which I was amazed at because the classes were through um, local community colleges. They were free they were very informative, and me and my cousin were the only ones in the class. Um, so there's a lot out there for entrepreneurs to take advantage of. Maybe they're not aware of it, but they're there. And I took a couple of classes where I was the only one there. So, you know, it, you know it, uh, there's a, a, a lot that you can do, and um, that was like the foundation. So we were out taking classes, and by being the only ones in the class, now you have almost like a one-on-one personal uh, meeting, so to speak. Mm-hmm. These are like business classes. Yes, um, business classes. Um, you know, business classes geared towards entrepreneurs. Um, how to show you to go to step one, two, and three of how to get into a big box, and you know how buyers work, and you know just a ton of information was out there in regards to it, and we we did take advantage of it. Uh, also, we got some, you know, some other people involved, and we did our own research. And uh, my cousin read a lot, read a lot of uh, a lot of books, and you know, brushed up as much as he could. And the next thing you know, uh, I actually had a, a product. I I also had a manufacturer, so I took the uh, the manufacturer who a friend of mine was using, and he was actually using a couple of manufacturers. I, you know, I met them all, and and I vetted them accordingly. And I came up with who I felt was the the best person for the job, and uh, we, we still work together, you know, at this time, and it's a you know great relationship. And then I actually went and I did things the old-fashioned way, and I once I got my product and I actually had it delivered, I went door to door, you know, from one paint store to another paint store to another paint store, until they added up to you know quite a few, quite a bit, like well over a hundred paint stores, are now selling my product and reordering. And um, I guess that's sort of where uh, where uh, Shark Tank sort of kicked in. Yeah, before we get get too far ahead, now when it comes to you, you mentioned first that you had this idea, but you actually had to you know design it. You found an engineer to create the CAD drawings for it. Uh, when you work with an engineer to do something like this, what's involved? Like, what's your involvement? How do you contribute to to guiding the engineer to design the product? Oh uh, yeah, great question. Uh, I don't know. I've I've always been handy. I mean, I'm, I'm in construction. I build things. That's what I do. 
Um, I've always been very good with, um, you know, a ruler and, and a pencil and drafting. I actually uh, do architectural drawings as well. So for me to come up and take a, a pencil to a piece of paper and try to, you know, manipulate and, and do things to scale isn't that hard. Um, but get, then again, I'm doing it in my garage, you know. Um, so I got it. I drew the pe- I drew the pieces how I wanted it to be. And then on some fine particulars, I actually, you know, drew the inner components of what I needed to do separately, like the foam that we have and some other components that we have patented. And um, once I had that, I, I went out and I, I, went, I went to Home Depot, and I believe, and I bought a, some sheet plastic, you know, uh, clear plastic. And then I actually began with a, a scroll saw just to cut the pieces out as I needed. So I built... Um, not too much of a primitive prototype of, for all intents and purposes, it was, it was a primitive prototype. And I brought those things to the engineer and I was like, here, here's what I need, but I need you to refine it, you know, refine it to the point where it's uh, perfect. And he did an excellent job on that. In fact, when I made my molds, uh, there was nothing. It was just that cut and clear and it, it came out right the first time. Mm. So. So you, you actually created the first prototype and then you approached an engineer and essentially had them refine what you already had. You didn't just go to them sort of empty-handed. No way. Yeah, no, I'm not. Um, I like to do things and I like to do it myself. I like to start out my first. And, and don't get me wrong, everybody needs help, but I don't want to go anywhere empty-handed. You mm-hmm. know, um, Even when, when I went to Home Depot and I got my product at Home Depot, I, I went there with um, with sales, you know. I didn't go there like, hey, I have this thing, could you sell it for me? In fact, I, I went there with a lot of sales to show them what I did, and the buyer at the time had asked me, like, why didn't you come to us first? And I'm like, because I would have been, you know, sort of at your mercy, like, hey, I have this mm-hmm. thing, you know, do you, do you think you want it, could you sell it? I was like, why wouldn't I want to come to you with a proven track record of how many I've sold to date? And with that, he fully understood, you know. All right. Um, so I so if I'm going somewhere and I'm going in to do something, I want to be able to show somebody that, hey, this will work because before I came here, I tried it. Mm-hmm. Right. So now the next step after having those drawings done was to, you mentioned going to the manufacturer. Now, was it as easy as just handing off the, the CAD drawings to them or were there any hiccups along the way from turning that design into an actual uh, product that you could hold in your hands? Well, you know what? While there were plenty of hiccups in, in the business going along from the point we started to now, I mean, you can't expect not to have hiccups, believe it or not, um, maybe because of the simplicity of the product itself, maybe that added to it, but there were no no hiccups whatsoever. Uh, I drew it, and then I, I, I made it, and then I brought it to the engineer, and then I just had him refine it to where it looked you know, A1 professional, there wasn't a smudge on the piece of paper or anything. Then he put, you know, he did it with, with CAD and I sent that out and, you know, with that they sent me, uh, with, you know, right now there's 3D printers, 3D printer. Um, at the time when we were starting, not every manufacturer had them, so they do what's called a hand-tooled. So they hand-tooled it, they made it by hand, but to the exact specifications and then they sent it out to me and I'm like, wow. Uh, I was very, very impressed in just how on target they were. It came out perfect. It worked perfect. It was great. Uh, the material they used was a little bit different. We weren't conter- concerned about the clarity because my product is clear, so this was a little cloudy. I saved it till this day. I still have it. Maybe I'll frame it one day. <laughs> but, um, I, yeah, I, I was amazed on how they hand-tooled it. And then after that, I gave them, like, hey, to go ahead, start the mold, you mm-hmm. know, and um, you know what? They did the mold. They sent me out samples from the mold, and there weren't any hiccups there either. It it, it really did. It came out perfect. Um, and then from there, we just put our first order in. And uh, by the time I knew it, I had tens of thousands of paintbrush covers laying around. Wow! So th- now tens of thousands c- come in in that initial order, and you you said you went just door to door. Talk to us about this process. Like, once you got that first shipment, did you send it to your house or something? And then you just went out to these paint shops and walked in and start talking to the the person behind the register. 
Um, yeah, pretty much so. I mean, I, I was lucky enough to, to be in construction, so I had my own office, my own construction office, and fortunately it was a, a fairly large office with a lot of space. <laughs> so uh, I quickly converted my construction office into uh, my paintbrush cover office. And I, I, I stored them there, and I, I did have, you know, probably some in my garage too as well. And I, I just got to... Uh, I said to myself, I made a map. I got a map of the area, and I scoped out every paint-related store. Because, you know, you can't walk into Home Depot and say, do you want to buy my product? That's a whole different procedure. But an independent owner, uh, you know, could have the right to, to, or the manager could have the right to be like, wow, that's great, I'll take it right now. Uh, so I mapped all of those out, and I put myself in the middle. And I was like, okay, I'll try to reach, you know, 10 to 15 stores a day. And that's exactly what I did, and I went out. And, you know, first it was, it was a little bit awkward, but, you know, after the first few times, you know, I got it down and I realized exactly who I needed to speak to when I got into the store, how to present it to them. And I, I got to tell you, um, not one person, uh, and I was just really, really blessed with this, not one person was like, oh, yeah, let me, let me think about it, or I'm not sure, or everyone was like, wow, this is, this is genius. Like, I can't believe that they, they, that they never had anything like this. So they would take them, and I, I gave them the product, so I didn't take money from them right away, although some insisted on paying me right away and give me a check right there on the spot. But I gave them 30 days invoices, which you know, made it a little tough on the cash crunch you know, aspect mm -hmm. of things. But nonetheless, I knew what, what my capabilities were. So then you know, maybe not the next day. Let's say I did it on Monday. Then maybe on Wednesday I did another um, area, and I did the same exact thing, and I sold them. We uh, used social media to our full advantage, uh, and we had a website, and we had people ordering along the website, and we did something which I think was um, one of the best things that we did. We went to the National Hardware Show in Las Vegas, Nevada, and we got a, we, I think we were in like the new inventors section, and we just got so much attention over there. It was, it was unbelievable. I mean, I had, I had buyers from big boxes, you know, handing me cards being like, yeah, you know what? I could go to a million of these things in a year. Um, and you know, some, not everything pans out, you know, there's a lot of people out there, you know, they do a lot of talking. Mm -hmm. Um, and then once again, you know, you learn that, that like there, there would be something where there'd be a hiccup, um, so to speak, where you really think that this person could do something when they actually can't, you know, so little things like that. But we went there, we got a lot of attention um, but there were a lot of sincere people that we met there, a lot of great people, which is also a lot, a big part of it that means more than anything to me. And it really is the truth. It's not even just, Hey, having a successful product and being able to make money. It's, you know, you're meeting some really good people out there. You see, you meet some bad people too. Don't get me wrong. You know, like anything else. Um, but the people that I met and the relationships that I've made over the time to me and my family are as equal as the success of the product itself. Mm, yeah, that's beautiful. So when you do build these relationships, especially early on with these independent retailers, how did you meet the right person? Like when you walk in, you mentioned that you had to kind of refine your, your approach and learn more about how to get to the right person. What was your approach? How did you determine who should be the right person to talk to? Well, you know, uh, most of the times you walk in, 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 the sh in the shop and there's just, you know, a vast array of people that are working and everyone's doing a job. So, you know, I, I would never interrupt somebody that was talking. So if I, if I saw somebody who was the manager and he was talking to someone on the phone, you know what, I never wanted to interrupt somebody. So even if I had to look at the, you know, the stock person that was stocking the shelf, for, let's say, and just be like, hey, excuse me, and just, you know, start a casual conversation and, you know, tell them a little bit about it and then ask them, like, you know, who do you think, you know, would be the right person? Naturally, they would usually say the manager or the owner. And then I would simply ask them, you know, you think if they're here, maybe you could, you know, get them. I just need a minute of their time. And um, I would have the actual product with the brush in it besides the box of it, you know, with the paint in it to be like, here, like, look at this. So I was able to show them you know, this has been in here for two weeks and look how wet it is. But they, you know, they'd either direct me to the person or be like, yeah, sorry, he's not in until Tuesday. Hey, great. Thank you so much. 
And um, I'd be like, here, do me a favor. And I would leave a sample behind and with my card, and I would tell them, hey, uh, you know, I'll be back um, maybe in two or three days, or I'd give them a specific date when they say he would be back. And I'd call ahead and be and just sort of make an appointment, make sure that they were there this time, and go on in. And it was always uh, pretty much a po- the majority of the time it was a positive outcome. They liked the product, they understood the product, and um, they took it in their store. Mm. And you mentioned that there were some stores that didn't want to take or that wanted to give you money right away, but you decided not to uh, to take it from them and gave them a thirty day invoice for it. What, what made you make this decision? Well, why not take the money if they were willing to pay you for it? No, no. I, I, the people that did, or maybe you uh, misunderstood me, the people that um, that were like, "Here, I'll give you a check right now." I took the check. Okay. You know, but what I'm saying is. I didn't impose that, hey, you have to pay me now, mm-hmm. anything like that. I wanted to make it where they were in a comfortable position to take my product. And it is sort of a standard in the, in the industry, you know, to invoice on 30, 60, or 90 days. So I wanted to give them the, and I also, I also gave them, um, you know, if it doesn't sell and you're not happy with it, I'll just come right back and pick it up, you know. So mm-hmm. I, I feel I put them in a, a zero risk situation. I gave you opportunity, and I took all the risk out of it, basically, and the margins were really good for them. They could double their money or close to it, and you know, retailers just love that. So I wanted to give them a feeling of comfort that, hey, I'm not going to order something. It's not going to sell. I'm going to lose, you know, lose out. Mm-hmm. So by, by doing that, it, it, you know, listen, um, I'll try something if it makes sense, and if I don't have to pay for it for 30 days, and if I have the luxury, if I don't like it, I could have my money back. Uh, I think I'd be more apt to try it than if I was trying to be the hard sell guy yeah. where I'm ramming it down someone's throat, which isn't, you know, my personality at all, and, you know, trying to get payment right there, and, I, you know, and I just wasn't about that. I, can, I considered, you know, the, the less ab- abrasive approach. I'm not a hard sales guy, and I don't like when people try to hard sell me either. Um, so that, that obviously worked because n- nobody said, no. I mean, in all honesty, I kind of, this, this is how I know no one said no, because there's one person that actually did say no. And it was just amazing to me, even to this day, I wonder what he thinks because he has to, and I won't name the name of the store, obviously, but it was a, it was a very, very, um, how would you say known in the industry paint store and I mean, you know, hey, listen, maybe the guy was having a bad day, <laughs> but he almost practically like yelled at me and threw me out of the store, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, hey, listen, I'm just asking you to buy something. And his, his idea was, um, why, would I want to, why, why would I want people to save money on brushes? I want to sell more brushes. Mm. And what he didn't get was that, in, in all honesty, my cover actually makes people buy more of the quality brushes because now they feel they have a way to protect them. So the guy that's going in normally and he's going to buy one brush, you know, $12 or $15, like that's a, a, a mini investment. Now he goes in there and they, people know what happens with the brushes and he sees the paintbrush cover. He's like, wow, he's like, I could take care of my brush. You know what? I'm going to go for the three brushes, the one and a half inch, the two and a half angle and the three inch brush because it fits all of them. I'm going to buy a few covers and that's just, I'm never going to have to, you know, worry about my brush drying out again. So it really works, you know, both ways. He was just, uh, like I said, maybe he was having a bad day or maybe he didn't care for his, see, I I care about my consumer. It it brings me great joy to know that if I was to sell you, Felix, my paintbrush cover and you were painting, you know, in the first hour of use, you'll save time and money, you know, and then, and I see a lot of products out there for sale that they honestly do not do what they do. They don't perform the way they're supposed to, and it's, it's just and they've been for sale for years, for 30 years, and people buy them, but they don't really work. So I'm very proud to be able to deliver to the consumer something that's going to help them. Mm, yeah, that's definitely how you get these loyal customers, right? By providing the value right off the bat and delivering on the, the promise of the product. Um, exactly. Now, when you when you left these stores after uh, leaving some of the products with them, did you have to follow up with them, or did you kind of wait for them to call you? Like, what was the the, the process after uh, getting a completed deal? Well, yeah, I, I definitely I felt comfortable following up with them, you know, and 
of course, I didn't, I didn't want to be, um, you know, overly pushy. You know, I know what it's like to, to have a day and have a call come in at the wrong time. And it's like, you know, it's just, you can't talk to everyone at once. Um, I will say this, one of the, the big pink companies in, in my area that have, I don't know, by now they might have, um, they might have more than 50 stores. So the, the gentleman that I, that I called, um, and I don't know if, if it's cool if I mention his name, um, I'm sure he wouldn't mind, but um, let's just call him Glenn, though, because he'll know who I'm talking about. <laughs> I had to call Glenn, I'm not kidding you, 20-some-odd times. And, you know, each time he'd be like, John, I'm just so busy, I can't talk about it now. Until the point where I was like, hey, listen, if you're really just trying to be, you know, polite and you're really not interested, like, I, I won't continue to bug you. He's like, no, trust me. He's like, I really am interested. He's like, I'm just that busy. So I was persistent, and the, the persistent, it just, it paid off. Because at the end of the day, all his stores had my cover in it. And then three days later, I got a reorder from him, and I was very surprised, like, how he could go through so many covers. They come in boxes of 100. And he's like, a couple of my guys have, like, union shops, and the minute they seen it, they, they didn't want to buy one, two, or three. They just said, hey, could you give me a, a better price if I buy all 100 in the case? You know, so he's like, you know, I, I wouldn't sell them all the 100. I would sell them because they it came in a master carton of 100 with two boxes of 50 inside it. So he's like, John, so I would sell them the 50, um, but that would still put me 50 down below, and I wanted to keep the 50, so I had them in the store for the other people. So um, that, you know what, it really is. It's, it's about persistent, and you can't be uh, afraid to fail. You can't be afraid. If I was afraid of what people thought, um, because at the very, very beginning, I got a lot of people that were sort of like, yeah, you're crazy. Oh, it could never work. Oh, you could never do it. And you know what? The, the more I was told that I couldn't do it, the more I was told it couldn't work, the harder it made me want to make it work. That, that might have even fueled me uh, as well. You know, and as you can see now, it's just, it's, it's surreal to think that um, you could walk into a, a paint store in Germany and buy my product. You could walk into a paint store um, in the Netherlands, in Iceland, uh, and buy my products. You could go into Norway and Sweden and buy my products. You could go to London. I did London QVC. Um, I did a couple of shows there. So, um, you know, from people that, uh, you know, that were sort of laughing at me, <laughs> thinking that I was out of my mind, um, I came a long way. And you know what, it, was, um, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a, uh, an idea of, hey, listen, I want to put it in your face. Not at all. It was just that, listen, I believed in something, mm -hmm. and other people thought I was crazy, and that wasn't going to deter me from believing in myself. And I think that's one of the, the main things that any entrepreneur should always hold close to their heart, no matter what anyone says. If it's what you want to do and what you believe in, you better go for it. Because if you don't, you might find yourself sitting down in your older years saying to yourself, wow, I wonder what would have happened if I really would have went through with it. And um, that's not a nice feeling. So, you know, no matter what anyone says, whoever, you know, people put you down or say it can't be done, if you believe in your heart, you have to continue and go for it. Mm, beautiful. Now you mentioned that one of the the keys to to launching the business even further were, was the uh, the hardware show that you mentioned going to. What was that like? What what was the the, the hardware show and what were the results of going to it? Uh, well, we were you know you you know how the shows work. You have uh, you know booths and aisles and they're right next to each other, so you have neighbors and you know I guess it's like you know moving anywhere. You can have a good neighbor or a bad neighbor, we were very fortunate. We had um, some really good neighbors that were in the business with new products. Then we had some, some people that had new products but had older products that they've been successful with. And, you know, it was all about, you know, making friends and, and, and the whole purpose of the show is to have buyers come up and, and see. And I got to tell you, and this is all pre-Shark Tank. This is well before Shark Tank. We had a crowd around our booth like you wouldn't believe. And and just, you know, buyers from all over the world come to the show. I think it's like the, the largest hardware show in the world. And, um, you know, it was, it was quite overwhelming. And, uh, you know, so what happens after that? Hey, meet me after the show. I want to take you to dinner. Meet me after the show. I want to buy you a drink. I want to talk about this. This could be great. That, you know, the whole thing. Um, and, and like I said, you know, you have to, you know, vet who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. But for the, for the most part, 
there were just many people out there that were interested. There were many people out there that were honestly, and, and I work with still to this day that, were, hey, I'm in the business for 30 years. You need any advice, give me a call. And they meant it, you know. Um, and then there was always people, there's always going to be people that are going to try to get into your pocket. And that's what I mean, like, you know, not everybody is the, is the good guy. You got to have eyes behind your back. That's true. Um, but there are a lot of good people out there and those are the people that I met out there. And then even people that were just, that had to do with the show that don't even do products or anything, even they know somebody that could help you. So we just got a lot of information and a lot of, Hey, see this guy or a lot of people coming up and saying, Hey, I distribute for this, this and that your product will complement this other product I'm doing. Let's talk. And, um, yeah, and that, and that boosted everything up. And by the time you know it now, I wasn't just on the East coast. I was nationwide selling stuff. So I had product in Florida, product in, in, uh, Georgia, I had product in California and so on and so forth. Mm. So you, you just came back from a trade show. So it sounds like trade shows are a big, uh, factor in your business. What, what are the keys to, to having a successful showing now that you have the experience of going to so many? Well, um, like you said, I really did. I just got back. Um, I got back around nine o'clock last night, and some of these trade shows are brutal too because you go out for days and you're traveling mm-hmm. and whatnot. But um, listen, my my success is to be honest with the consumer and, and let them understand. Uh, I do the same thing, and and at this trade show that I just uh, did, it was um, a trade show, and we went out to Queens. And it was the first time, like uh, most of the other trade shows I've been to numerous times. So this was a whole new distribution company that, you know, does a ton of sundries and and, and paint-related items. So it was was the first time it was an introduction. And I think they might have had cold feet because they were one of the last ones on board. And we went out there and we were just... We were just selling product, like the, the product sold itself at that point. Yeah, I might have had to explain and talk and everything, but I didn't have to twist anybody's on to, to buy the product to get in the store. They're like, yeah, we've been looking at people coming in and they're asking us for this product and we feel funny, like we don't have it, you know? Um, but now there's a difference between them buying at the trade show at the company. Okay. Cause you could buy the, and not be in the warehouse being in the warehouse is key. So with this particular company, we were not in the warehouse. It was our first show, but the people were able to buy it and we would drop ship it to them directly uh, it was really freezing out, so I think that might have hindered some attendance on the second day. But at the end of it all, no matter what, we always had a crowd at our booth, and I'm very proud to say we sold to a lot of great, amazing people. And you know what? Some very kind individuals, and they want to take a picture with you, um, you know, with the product. And at the end, uh, I'm going to say at around 11 o'clock, just halfway through the show, because usually how it works is. You do the show, and then, you know, weeks later, they come back, and they say, hey, you know what? You sold enough product at the show. We want to take you in the warehouse. Uh, we had pretty much um, the buyers and, and, and the merchants come to us at 11 o'clock on the second day of the show, and, you know, there was no hesitation. We want you in our warehouse, and um, they wanted to take two products. They're like, hey, why don't you take four? They're like, yeah, why don't we take four? <laughs> you know, so we got four of our new. Pro- we got two: the paintbrush cover and the roller cover, and then we have um, the drip clip, which is uh, an invention that was, uh, I'd say, birthed by the um, this this girl that just, I just happened to be in my office, and she called from out of town. She was, uh, you know, an entrepreneur, but she didn't know the right way and the right angle of how to do things. We helped her to refine her packaging and sort of partnered up with her and got it to the right manufacturer and got it in big boxes already. So not only are we doing products for us, we're helping other people get their products and then we're partnering up with, you know, with some good people and we're making our own products as well at the same time. So it brought me great joy that I know I was able to, to bring this girl Greta's product into uh, another big box, you know, and to me that's just, you know, it's not just about us. It's about, you know, helping other people no different than the people at the trade show in the early stages helped us and gave us tips and whatnot, you know, just pay it forward. And if you could help somebody, definitely do it. For sure. Now your Shark Tank uh, appearance, talk to us a little bit about that. How were you able to get onto the show? Uh, I got, I gotta say, I'll give my, um, my cousin the credit on, on that one. 
he um, he emailed them, and I guess maybe he sent them uh, the product. I don't know exactly how he did, but he emailed them, and I guess they weren't as popular because it was season four. I think we're up to season nine now, you know, and uh, it was season four, but they were all booked, but they're like, we'll give you a call right back for season five, and sure enough, without hesitation, when that time came, they called us, and at at the time, there were some things that I wasn't particularly fond of in the business sense. I enjoyed the show, but in the business sense of you going on, what you had to sign on for and all of that, I wasn't too sure. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, sure if I want to actually, you know, go on. And then we were talking, and um, there, was one, there was one rule where no matter what happened, whether you struck a deal or not, if you became successful, they took um, 3 to 5% of your earnings. And then I believe it was Mark Cuban who said that that's not fair, and if um, you're yeah, if you if you do it, then I'm not coming back. So then when they called us back, they're like, yeah, you know, that's not even effect. Like, I, I gotta say, and I, I don't mean this that I'm not trying to be cocky at all whatsoever. Um, the more I was unsure and I didn't want to go on the show, it was almost like the more they wanted me on the show. So they're like, listen, please fill out an application. It's not going to hurt you to fill out an application. So I fill out this big application and we send it out to them. They're like, hey, could you make us a video, you know, explaining and showing and, you know, and I'm like, uh, all right, I, I guess so. They're like, could you have it to us in three days? I'm like, uh, I don't know. I try my best, you know, and but we did. We we listen. I'm not I'm not in television or anything like that. I I'm, uh, I don't know much about editing, um, although I got a crash course in it. I'll tell you that. Uh, but we made a video and it was spectacular. And with the aid of some friends and whatnot, we were able to edit it to the time that it had to be and the specifications of it. We got it out there. Bring the phone rings the minute they get it. Oh my God, it was wonderful. They really did. They enjoyed it. They loved it. And the next thing we know, we sort of agreed to, to doing it, and we were practicing with the producers over the phone, um, you know, about pitches and this and that. And I'm going to say within four months from the date, and it's funny because every time, every time Sony uh, finishes a conversation with you, they're like, by the way, there's no guarantees. Like, they have to say it, you know. And it's the truth. There are no guarantees, and a lot of people do air on the show, and they just they're never seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they go on the show. They never air. You follow, right? Or they fly them all the way out to California, and they never get to pitch either. You know, I mean, so far we've been lucky enough. I mean, heck, I've been on Shark Tank. I'm going to say the main time. Then we had a couple of follow-ups that we were on Beyond the Tank. I'm going to say eight times, uh, eight separate times for the same product and the same thing that I've been on Shark Tank. So for me. You know, every time they told me, you know, there's no guarantees, I realized there were no guarantees, but everything came through. We were very, very blessed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where other people actually got down there and then never even got to film, and they just they got a free plane ride in a hotel in uh, in L.A. Right. So, so speaking of the success on, on the show, not only did you get on, but you ended up at least on the show closing a two hundred thousand dollar investment for ten percent from. From Lori. So, what was that? What was that like? What was that moment like when you were able to, to to get a deal? Oh my goodness! Um, how could you say it? Uh, see, when you got a few figure, it's very nerve wracking. You're going on the mm-hmm. show, you're going on TV, and and it, and it's every bit of live. And live, when I say not live, like you're going to see it, but there's no. Um, I messed up. Could we start over? Yeah. So if you go in there, and I'm sure you saw the episode, my my cousin forgot his lines. So <laughs> that compounded the nervousness, and then I um, just sort of got him back on track and and started it over again. Not started it over again. It's just because there is no start over. I just like smacked him on the side of his arm. I was like, hey, come on, like let's get it together here. And then I just said the last line that he said to get him back on track. And he was visibly nervous, you could see, but he finished his pitch. And then I think it put a human element to the whole thing because the Sharks were all smiling and they clapped when he was finished. And they're like, you did it, where a lot of people just get booted off the show for not remembering their lines. Um, so, yeah, we, we got lucky in in, um, in that respect. And then we just kept going on. But Mr. Wonderful, okay, Kevin, he... Um, 
he he loved our product, and he's the guy that says, "Hey, you know what? You got a hobby. Get the hell out of here." Or even meaner than that, and I think you know what I'm getting at. You're familiar mm-hmm. with the show. He, he was oh my god, we had him smiling from ear to ear. And not only did he did he um, you know put in an offer, but he he doubled down on his offer. And then Robert went in, and then Lori went in, and then um, Barbara went in. Mark was, oh my God, Mark paid us so many compliments. I mean, you got to figure we're in there for an hour and a half, uh, but you're seeing, you know, an edited version of eight, nine minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so you weren't able to see, yeah, there was a, a lot of interesting things that went on in there. Um, but the, the, the feeling, I'll put it this way, we were, we were in L.A., and that night we weren't hanging out, you know, reading in our hotel rooms. We were out partying and having a good time. It was so exciting. And, um, yeah, that's the, the best way I could uh, see it. We were just, uh, that's what we went there for. We actually went there with the intentions of, uh, of partnering up with Lori Grenier. So, you know, we pretty much got what we wanted, and we got an offer um, of four times what we asked for. So you know that that was great too as well. We 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 went on to uh, you know renegotiate the deal um, at the end part um, after the fact. You know long after the show um, because necessarily what you see on the show, you know you could they don't know who you are. So you could say hey I did ten million dollars in sales last year and you could you know being uh, a little bit less than truthful when you really didn't. So if they investigate that, well naturally they're not going to go through with the deal that they made. So there is um, a due diligence process involved. You know, they just have to make sure like, you know, you're a clean guy um, and you, you, you pay your taxes and you, you know, everything that you said is pretty much the truth. So it's basically about telling the truth. And um, yeah, after, after that, uh, we started right away. We didn't wait for the due diligence. Um, they wanted to do business right away. Um, and we did. So we got on QVC a couple of times. It was pretty cool. That's awesome. So now working with Lori specifically, what's been your your most favorite or useful business advice that you've gotten from her? Gee, you know what? That's a that's a a difficult question to answer, only because there's been so many there's been so many things that um, how would you say that we might have talked about or spoke about. Um, Listen, I'll put it. I'll put it here like this. I like to handle things myself. If there's a fire, I go. I put the fire out. Okay, I take care of the situation and I fix it, and then I tell them. I don't. I don't look for advice unless it's something that I know nothing about. Mm-hmm. You follow? So, um, you know, she was she was uh, instrumental, I believe, in getting us on the uh, beyond the tank, um, and you know, giving us some tips here and there. But to, to, to focus in on one specific one, I'm sorry, but it's just, uh, it's, it's difficult for me. Mm, no, for sure. Now, you mentioned before that, of course, you have multiple products and you're rolling out new products all the time. How do you decide what to be working on next? How do you decide what product should be the next thing to release? Well, I, I, I tell you, I, I listen to, to the people's needs and a lot of times someone will come up and be like, wow, I can't believe I didn't think of this, or I can't believe someone else, you know, no one ever thought of it. You know, hey, I once had an idea, you know, here, you know, think about this. So a, a lot of times you'll hear something or see something. I mean, listen, I've had ideas. That's what I've done. Besides my construction business, I've always, you know, which is sort of dream in my mind, an idea that would make something easier. And, um, you know, it could be manufactured, make something easier for the consumer. Um, so that's, that's my motto. Like I, I go out there looking for something that's going to, you know, you got to put the money aspect of, of it to, to really be successful in my opinion, put the money aspect of it to the side. Okay. And worry more about how you're going to make your customer's life easier and you're going to mm-hmm. make your customer happy. Okay. And then the money will follow, you know, the money will, will catch up. Uh, so that's my thing. Right now, I'm working with paint, but I have so many other inventions, and I intend to, to, to take them on and, and bring them to market as time goes on. I'm the type of person, I can't really sit still for too long a period of time, so I'm always thinking of something new. Right now, I figure, you know, there's strength in numbers. Let me just keep everything paint-related. 
you know? Right. So everything that I do right now, like even at my show, like people are really truly amazed. They're like, oh my God, when I'm painting, I run into that problem. You know, so we have these um, things that you plug right into your receptacles, your electrical receptacles, so that you don't slip with the roller and paint your receptacle. Then you got to clean it with water. Water and electricity don't mix very well, and no matter how you clean it, it always looks like there's a little bit of paint still on there. So you plug these things in the receptacle, even if you roll over it, not a bit of paint touches the receptacle. So that's the outlet cover, as opposed to the paintbrush cover. Then we have the roller cover then we actually have a paint pan that you could put the cover right on the paint pan. So instead of taking um, a bag, let's say, when you're working outside and you go to lunch and you got to put this bag over it so the paint don't skin, now you just slide the cover right on there, you're good to go, you leave. It creates, it makes painting environmentally friendly as well too because you don't have all these, you're not cleaning as often, so you're not putting paint down the drain um, which ultimately ends up wherever that ends up. Um, so that's a, a problem in the way of an environmental. Um, you know, a lot of this stuff goes downstream or whatnot and ends up, you know, in, in, in drinking water. It's just, you can't bring paint to a local dump. You have to go to a special facility um, in many, many states to bring your paint so they, they could dispose of it. So I think that um, we did some sort of equation that if everybody used the cover, we would save like, um, I don't know, 20 billion gallons of water a year. So we're, we're saving water. We're not putting contaminants down our drain. We're not taking plastic bags, which, you know, in, in the environmental world, I mean, they, they take plastic bags and, you know, they have animals that are just caught up in these plastic bags. Or I've seen a picture of a dolphin that had a it's just a used plastic bag stuck in the blowhole, um, sea turtles, things of that nature. So on an environmental end, you're eliminating that plastic bag, which is which to me is 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 monumental too, because there's a certain time frame that it takes for that thing to decompose, and it's a very long time, like um, a lot longer than you and I are going to live mm-hmm. for that plastic to decompose. So. Yeah, I love that that your approach is not to think about how much revenue, how much profit you can make on a new product. You think about what kind of value you can provide for your customers and, of course, uh, what kind of value you can provide for the world in terms of the the savings for the environment. So the paintbrushcover.com is the website. Um, where do you want to see the business go in the next year? Oh, uh, I got to tell you, I... Um I'm very excited, and and the way I see it, I mean, is right now I'm in so many big boxes, it's tremendous, and that gives me the ability to be able to afford to buy more molds to make new products. So, I mean, I'm I'm looking in the next year to have my own little section in every store that has my Liquid Concepts paint-saving products, and so far it's 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 on track to do that. I mean, I'm, I'm literally selling millions of pieces. Um, you know, now I just want to double that and then double that again and double that again. And it's, you know, once again, it's about finding, okay, how could I do it this time? How could I make my consumer happier, make their life easier while they're doing something that's, you know, sometimes a, a pain in the neck. Um, there are a lot of changes. I got to tell you, I mean, a lot of changes, you know, throughout these past four years. And, you know, we talk about hiccups and whatnot, so um, I, I took my product and I, I, I took it because I, I started in China. So I brought it out to the, uh, to the U.S. So I'm proud to say I make my products in America. And um, with that, I mean, I get to see firsthand, besides the consumers, I'm employing people. And if I'm not employing them, then I'm using, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of US, uh, UPS and, you know, other big freight companies to deliver stuff. So that in turn makes more jobs for them. I have the printer that does my corrugated and my displays. So that's more jobs for somewhere. So I'm creating jobs at a, at a rapid rate by making my product here in America. Uh, you know, that's a great, great uh, form of satisfaction that, uh, you know, I know that maybe because of my product, two more people might've gotten hired at the place that makes my displays. And maybe two more people, maybe four more people, I don't know, but I know more people get hired at my manufacturing plant because we're ramping up production and we're, we're moving at such a speed they need to hire people. So I'm creating jobs too, 
that makes me feel great. So, um, yeah, there's a lot. Mm-hmm. I did, I did since I, I, I did buy out my partners. Um, so I am the, the sole owner. Um, I, I obtain a hundred percent equity of the company right now. And, um, you know, that worked out great for everybody because, um, my, my cousin just, he's, he's very much into health and fitness. So he went on to, um, to open up a gym and he's, uh, got some partners and he's very, very successful, uh, with the gym and it's what he loves to do. And he loves being in shape and he loves teaching people. They have classes and all of that stuff too, as well. So he went and he, he's got himself a gym and, um, you know, he's doing well. So he sort of sprung off of the, uh, diving board into another area that mm-hmm. makes him even happier. And you know what? It makes it a lot easier because I know when, when I make a decision, to do something. I have such a, a great crew. I mean, um, the guy that does my artwork, we've been friends for the 35, maybe 40 years. Um, the people I used to that I hired to do my it and to do my EDI and my billing. I, I mean, to me, they're second to none. Um, right down to the girl that does, um, you know, in fact, uh, uh, you corresponded with Jessica. Uh, she's just, you know, she's, uh, working in every aspect and going above and beyond to help me out. And if I'm dropping a ball, she's there to pick it up. Uh, my wife, my daughter, even even my son, we all help out. And hey, if I make a decision and I mess it up, then it's on me. There's, you know, when you have a lot of partners, sometimes it's a little bit difficult because you could spend three weeks deciding if you're going to go with red or blue. You know what I mean? And now I'm just uh, I'm moving at a lot quicker pace because. I'm just I'm making the decision. I'm going with it. And if it works, great. And if it doesn't work, then I go back to the drawing board. But there's no, how would you say, where you know one person wants it blue and one person wants it red or one person wants it large, one person wants it small. There's, there's you know none of that, which I just say it's a, a time waster. Awesome. So it sounds like a very fast-paced upcoming year for you. Thank you so much for your time again, John. Oh, Felix, I mean... Anytime, I can't thank you enough, and um, yeah, that's great. So we're we're looking ahead to 2017 as well as 18 already. So some things we're going to launch out there. So um, everybody can look out for the new products. In fact, if you go on the website, we probably have around 20 some odd products on there right now, besides the paintbrush cover and the um, roller cover. So I would definitely take a look out there. Awesome, cool. Thank you so much, John. All right, thanks again. Here's a sneak peek of what's in store for the next Shopify Masters episode. If you only hire people that you or your network know, you're going to be constrained by a somewhat similar thought process. Thanks for listening to Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. To start your store today, visit shopify.com masters to claim your extended 30-day free trial.